so did evil dead rise swallow my soul was i dead by dawn after viewing it let's get into it this is the evil dead rise episode of midnight social distortion attention attention do not be disturbed you are now leaving reality and entering midnight social distortion Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another episode of Midnight Social Distortion. I am your host, Marco Estes, and I saw Evil Dead Rise. Um, preview night that it came out, well, preview night here in Memphis, which is the Thursday. Um, I did see it. I enjoyed it. I'm going to get into it later in the episode. But first, let's just play catch up a little bit. If you guys don't happen to miss the last episode I did, it was about the Outwaters, which is scream of oh, Screaming streaming on Screenbox exclusively at the moment and it also has two offshoots a prequel short called card zero and a epilogue of sorts um that lasts about 17 minutes called file vl-624 now if you did see the episode i mean see the episode if you did see both movies i'm Movies. We saw all three of the movies, which I have personally dubbed the Outwaters Experience. And you listened to my episode last week. You know, I told everybody about how confused I was about what was going on, how um, it just seemed like you didn't know if this was an alien situation or if it was just, you know, a cosmic horror type, you know, scenario where something was um, opened up in the desert with the unknowingly but we don't know we don't know the inciting factor of what caused all this in the desert and we're just along for the ride knowingly not knowingly unknowingly i released the episode on um excuse me may of april 26 which is well renowned in sci-fi and horror fandom as 426 which is lv 426 which is the alien um plant which is the planet on aliens that um Halley's hope was set in aliens you know so i didn't realize that when i released it and then as i was like oh i kept seeing all the happy 426 day posts and like yay aliens you know i'm here for i mean some xenomorphs and then it dawned on me file vl-624 was a, a malogram for LV-426. So my theory now is that yes, aliens had landed in the outwaters and they were experiencing alien um phenomena and whatnot. And that's what that's what we get. That's what we get. And it was just, you know, poor little Robbie got caught up in it. So, yeah, I think it was aliens. I don't know about the cosmic horror spin of the whole scenario, but we are now dealing with aliens in the Outwaters. So that's my little epilogue to my Outwaters experience um, episode. So let's move on. What else has been going on in my life? Well, I have been recording a little pod, um, guest spots on 
a couple of shows today. I as I after I recorded this, I appeared on Rise from the Dead with features Ash Caldwell and my boy Germ. Well, Ash is my girl, but my, also my boy Germ. Um, you know, if you guys know Jeremy, um, he's on Twitter as main not Twitter um, main event Germ. You know, so I was with them talking about um oh shit dream home <laughs> so the episode should drop um either monday or tuesday and if you haven't seen dream home 2010 get your ass together and go see that movie if you can find it anywhere streaming because it was hard for us to find it streaming but we finally found a way you have to pretty much if you have the amc plus app or the Shutter channel on am through Amazon Prime, not Shutter by itself. But if you have Amazon Prime and you have the Shutter add-on, that's the only way you can be able to uh, watch the movie. So that's how we did it. But um, it's a great movie. Very even though it took it's um, a 2010 Hong Kong film. And it takes place in 2007, you know, the smack beginning of the economic crisis that affected the entire globe. And it's still timely to this day because um, these rent prices are high as fuck, you know. And it's gotten to the point now where you would probably want to own your own house or pay a mortgage, a monthly mortgage fee on the fee. Um, no um, bill instead of you paying all that money to an apartment and you're not getting any type of um you're not putting money into a savings you know something you don't you're not owning it you're not you're renting to just stay with a roof of your head and you're not renting to own or you know so it's a great film slasher very extreme but not in the most outlandish way it's very subtle and you know even though this episode is going to be about Evil Dead Rise, which is, you know, a gore-centric film, um, people who know me or have listened to podcasts enough know that I am not a big gore hound. But when gore is done nicely, um, where it's not just overkill, where the movie relies heavily on the gore, like there's no plot in between anything, it, between each, you know, evisceration or dismemberment or anything like that it's just complete gore uh, i tend to like i'm not say i don't frown upon it but it's just like it's nothing that i get excited for uh, but with dream home it is very well done it is not outlandish it actually helps serve the plot to just show how far somebody would go to get what they want so like I said, if you haven't seen Dream Home, go and try to find it. And I think you can rent it on also April, um, April, um, Apple TV Plus, Apple TV Plus, but Apple TV. Yeah, Apple TV Plus. You can rent it on Apple TV Plus, And I think you can rent it on some other streaming services. Um, but yeah, go watch it. Then go listen to the latest episode of Rise from the Dead podcast featuring Ash and Germ. And subscribe to their podcast if you haven't you know what's the what's the problem um so yeah other another um thing i did this past weekend was i was on the panel for tyrone williams's um the evil live on youtube 
and we discussed the Evil Dead franchise. And the you know, it was a great panel. I was there with Girl That's Scary, Cat and Jazz, Mike Brown, you know, my boy Mike Brown from Scream Kings and People Under the Scares, and also Artsy Ghoul, you know, Destiny, you know, a very cool panel to be with. We had fun. If you have not seen, if you didn't watch it live, um, you can go watch it on Tyrone Williams's um the evil Tyrone YouTube channel. And again, if you haven't subscribed to the evil Tyrone's YouTube channel, what is your problem? Um, get with it. So those are the two things that I did this weekend on top of work and, you know, trying to prep for this episode. And I also um, am prepping for an upcoming event that will um, hopefully be, it hopefully goes well. Um, I was asked by the Counter Narrative Project, which is based in Atlanta, to be a part of their annual Counter Narrative Summit. And I was asked to do uh, a, a panel about queer black horror, or rather of the history of queer black horror characters in horror movies. And it's going to be a 30-minute panel. I am not, I don't have the specifics of how anybody else outside of the attendees can watch it or if they can have access to it. Uh, I will be trying to update that all this week, but it's going to be 30 minutes and it's virtual. My panel is virtual. It's going to be through, I believe Skype or um, what's the other thing. I think it's going to be through Skype. I'm not going to, you know, but I'm going to be posting it when I get more information about it all this week. Hopefully this episode will hit, um, Wednesday and by then I hope to have some more information that can go that people can follow because this my panel is specifically going to be Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon I have to go double check but I have to you know prep for that um so I'm excited I'm, I'm very excited about it but I'm also very nervous about it because I look up to the gentlemen of the counter narrative project they are well scholared um black gay men from different walks of life different um career paths different um you know economic backgrounds not economic but um um scholarly backgrounds you know we have doctors we have poets we have novelists we have um philanthropists you know activists you know everybody's an activist in the group so it's just somebody it's just a group that i've always looked up to as a black gay man and i when they um, beckon for me to come and do something for them i jump at it because it's just an honor to be um asked to do or represent anything that cmp does they do have a um blog called the reckoning that's where my article um the quick history of black queer characters in horror movies was published. And I also did another piece for them. That was a review of striking vipers, the um, very popular, um, excuse me, black mirror episode that featured Anthony Mackie and Yaya Medina team and Nicole Bahari. So, and I've also did other stuff for them that has not been published or, you know, I've, you know, I just had conversations with them and whatnot, but they are, a dream to work for it's a dream to work with and i'm very excited about this project and i hope that it opens doors to other stuff so that's been my 
catch up. Hopefully everything that you guys have been doing has been safe and prosperous. Is that even a word? Prosperous or prosperous. I think that's the right way to say it. I'm country. Y'all should know this by now. So let's go into some news bits that have had me tickled all week. Um, Basically, they finally announced officially that the Final Destination, well, not the Final Destination, but Final Destination 6 is about to go into production. I know people have been posting um, fake posters saying that the movie's going to come out this year. The movie's going to come out this year. The movie has been trying to come out for the last three or four years, and they haven't shot a fucking frame of it. And so they finally confirmed that they're going to start working on that, which is great. They announced that during CinemaCon, which was this week. Also from CinemaCon, we get... Um, well, they got, we didn't even get a chance to see it yet. They received the first footage from David Gordon Green's Exorcist, um, sequel called, I think it's, um, shit, I should know this by now, but I think it's called Rebirth or the beginning or the, no, Believer. I think it's Believer, Ex- the Exorcist Believer. And, um, it, they gave descriptions of what, the little i guess it was a more of a sizzle reel than a trailer when it um when premiered so um i know a lot of people have been you know excited about that even though some of them were like eh, i don't i mean you know because we still have some folks who were like very very not happy about the um halloween trilogy the Halloween sequel trilogy that David Gordon Green did. So I guess they're like, well, you know, why would Bloomhouse give him the reins to something so iconic after he screwed up? But hey, I'm here for it. I'm not one of those people that really hated the Halloween um, 2018 trilogy. Um, I felt that it was something fresh. And a, a small rant right quick. Because it kind of ties into Evil Dead Rise um, episode, and I'm probably going to get back in the rant later on when I actually get to discussing Evil Dead Rise. Us horror fans like to say we want something fresh. We want a new take on on our existing property or existing IP. But do we really? I mean, um, when I say we, I'm just including myself in it because even though I'm all for a new um, entry into whatever franchise like Scream, Halloween, the uh, for me, not for mention, but you know, the new alleged I Know What You Did Last Summer reunion sequel, and you know, stuff like that, as long as the story is good. And I mean, everybody does, but when we get something that actually tries to do something different, the vitriolic backlash to them trying to expand or build upon pre-established stuff and not give us the same thing over and over again is hit with, you know, it's just, it's just, it's very toxic. Um, I know when Scream 6 and Scream 5, people are still doing this whole, oh, Sam Carpenter is not Sidney Prescott. Sidney Prescott is Scream, blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. But as much as I ride and die for Sidney Prescott, that is my girl. How many times can you put her in a situation where she constantly get out of these, you know, um, murder sprees unscathed? And it kind of gets old, you know, and bless her heart, Nev Campbell, even though she probably would have came back for Scream 6, 
a she is probably like you know i don't want to just just be beholden to this any longer unless the pay is right and two uh, or b um when you look at scream six there was no reason for her to be in that movie none because they established these new characters and while it's connected to the original movies through bloodline it's still a screen film you know you have ghostface you have a um a whodunit you have you know the phone calls you know all this stuff and it constantly enhances each movie constantly enhances what came before because they tend to come out at different points in time of you know pop culture you know Scream 1996 is one of the reasons why we got call IDs and stuff now. You know, we Scream 2 um, um, joked about for a quick second, you know. Um, now we have cell phones, you know. Then it's cloning cell phones. Of course, Scream 6 and 2 and 3 all talked about that. But then, you know, you have burner phones. You have all this different stuff. And then you have different um, things going on in the world that, the franchise is known to just touch upon so um yeah and then you have like halloween they could have sat there and gave us another michael myers pops up every halloween on a killing spree type situation and even though 2018 did it it was like a reunion of some sorts like a, a sequel of sorts to the shit that happened 40 years earlier and then they continued it with Halloween Kills because instead of him going like them allegedly defeating him and then him, um, you know, going away for a year for him to come back as soon as Halloween, you know, comes around again. It didn't make any. I mean, it, it gets old, you know, like every year you come back, you stab up a bunch of people, then go away for a year then come back and do it again. It made sense for them to complete it, not complete it, but go on into the same night which is something fresh which means the killing spree doesn't stop at a, at midnight or one o'clock in the morning it's like ongoing and they don't have a time you know chance to breathe and then you know we got halloween ends where it's just you know um uh it's something different and now sometimes and i mean don't get me wrong there was some choices made with halloween ends but I have to give David Gordon Green props for trying to do something different with this story. And we have to remember that John Carpenter also worked on it as an executive producer. He probably gave them some pointers. And I wonder if John Carpenter, if he really, him and Deborah Hill, if he would, if they really wanted to do what they wanted to do with Halloween, we probably wouldn't be championing Michael Myers as we have now, you know? Um, so I have to ask the horror fandom, um, do you really want something fresh with these established franchises? Do you want the story to progress or do you want to just spend money to go to see a rehash of the previous sequels? Now I'm the type of motherfucker. Yes. I could go see another Nightmare on the Street and it's just, you know, a couple of kids and they all start getting knocked off one by one until one of them finds the power to defeat Freddy for this installment Hey, if they did another Halloween, I'm going to be in my seat to go see it. But I'm not going to bitch about it saying like it's not a good movie because it's not this. I'm not going to say the words. This is not a put the movie, a fill in the blank movie 
type you know you know so you know it's like this is not a halloween movie this is not a screen movie this is not a, a nightmare industry movie i don't like that verbiage because it's to me it's an oxymoron because it doesn't give you what you went in to expect and what you, you know the, a checkbox of sorts uh or you know it just it went in and did something new then you automatically um write it off as uh, um not within the franchise i'm just going to ignore it and this this and that and this i'm going to campaign and talk shit about it and just try to ruin everybody else's fun with it just you know and then you turn around and say but hollywood has no new ideas anymore it's like do you want these properties to continue on and i have to ask like um old horror fans like what they when you guys the same way when they redid Frankenstein and Dracula and the mummy all these years. And you know, like where did you get to a point where you like, this is not a Dracula film. This is not a Frankenstein film. This is, you know, because I don't know. It just, it doesn't make any sense. And I don't know if it's because the soap boxes are getting bigger and the voices are getting louder because people have a certain following account, following amount of, you no, know, so a, a, a certain following count, excuse me. So it, I don't know, but it's just, it's not, um, yeah, it just, I must do you boo, but it's just people are starting to get tired of hearing it. I mean, there's problems with, like, I have problems with some of the later Halloween movies. You know, Halloween Resurrection, it is a bad movie. But at the end of the day, it's still a Halloween movie. It's just a bunch of people who are what you, you pay to go see Michael Myers go and hack up a bunch of people. You know what I'm saying? Because you can only do so much with the franchise at that point in time, since they had killed Laurie Strode off at the beginning of the movie, what else you wanted to do? You want some background story about what Michael Myers and that has already been like pretty much established elsewhere, you know, but you got what you wanted. And even though I don't like it, you still got a, a Halloween movie, the Halloween remakes with um, Rob Zombie. You know, I'm not a big fan of those either, but they're Halloween movies they did something with the character that was sort of different. They didn't, you know, they, they went to the, they gave us like a prequel type scenario and then gave us, you know, my, I'm not Rob Zombie's take on the events from the 1978 Halloween. You know, it's just when you take, when you, I have to give some of these hard directors their props for trying to do something fresh just for somebody to throw it back in their face and be like, this is not a Halloween movie. I'm going to shit all on your damn film because this is not a screen film because this character wasn't in it. I'm going to shit all over, you know, this um, production because something happened behind the scenes that I have no control over. So I'm going to be a brat and just have a tantrum about it all over social media. It's just stop. Um, Granted, there's ways you can sit there and update stuff like with the Evil Dead reboot. Now, even since like this stay on topic, you know, this is the Evil Dead. Um, the Evil Dead 2013 movie gave us a Cabin in the Woods settings, gave us five characters, gave us another Necromicon, and they did something 
different, albeit it was the same scenario from um, The Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. You know, and they succeeded in it because it was a franchise that had not been redone 15,000 times. And then even though I personally do not like Army of Darkness, it was still something different for it. It's still something different for their franchise. It's what Sam Raimi wanted to do with his story. He wanted to take this story back there and give it the wit and the jokes and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I didn't care for it. I mean... But it enhances that particular story for that particular franchise. I personally feel like if Army of Darkness had came out like now, out of, let's just say it didn't come out in like, I forget what year it came out. I don't know if it was 90 or 91 or 92, but let's say Army of Darkness didn't come out until this year. We never got 2013 Evil Dead. I feel like people would have shitted on that movie because they're like, this is not an Evil Dead movie. This is this this is horrible. This is da 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 because we kind of have gotten beholden to a regurgitated um, factory when it comes to like mainstream IP horror. Um, this is why stuff like Terrifier is blowing up because it's something fresh. But you know, you can you can kind of compare Terrifier to like maybe a, a good Friday Thirteenth movie or whatnot. But again, if um, Damien Leon, Leone, or I, I should not have pronounced his name. If you want to do another movie uh, um, 10, 20 years from now and do something different, I feel like he's going to get hit with the, this is not a terrifier movie. You know, Chucky, Don, Mans Don Mancini, you know, there's people who do not like the later Chucky movies, mainly because they went direct to, um, to um, DVD. Um, and they feel like, they feel like, oh, this is a Chucky movie because Chucky is very, you know, it's that queer shit, it's that gay shit. Don Mancini is gay. He wrote the original Child's Play movie. Um, he's written all the Child's Play movies. And so, it, it, do you really want something new? Do you really want your favorite franchise to venture into new territory? And do you want it to be fresh, you know, for you to continually come back? And like my friend Ray says, if you don't like those these new iterations of your franchise, there's still the old stuff to go back to and watch. That's always going to be there. Um, so, yeah, that's my uh, closing thought on the what you call it, the news portion of this episode. Um, there's other news I could have discussed, though, but I've discussed enough about toxic fandom which is i think it's gonna be a running theme on this podcast here on out um but hey it is what it is i just report what i see and i ask the questions that everybody is either too afraid to ask or they are well no, i'm not gonna say people are scared to ask it because we talk i talk about this with people like tyrone and Tamon and Mike and Bobby and the girls of scary uh, group and I, and Sheree and everybody, Ryan, everybody. I talk about this with all the peoples, but it's just, you know, and they talk about it on their respectable podcast and on their social medias too. I just feel like um, until we get that down on like what we actually want with the established IP, hard IPs out there, um, 
we got to let these directors come in and do their thing, put their spin on it, and then just move on and not wait 15, 20 years down the line and be like, you know what? I was wrong. I mean, there's room for growth. Don't get me wrong. There's always room for growth, but it's just the fact that, you know, don't wait till your kid gets up when you're like, you probably having a kid. People who went to go see Evil Dead Rise and maybe the Halloween sequel trilogy right now had kids during this time period. And those kids are probably going to grow up and be like, oh, this is a damn good movie. And, you know, you can't fuss at them for liking it because they probably pick up on something that you at that particular point in your life did not see. And then now you want to reevaluate it. And it's just like, you know, that happens, you know, but it's just let's 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 not tear our existing ips down because michael freddie jason um chucky pinhead leatherface ghostface they are the modern day candy man you know i gotta put my boy in there um they are the modern day universal monsters so our kids kids are going to be talking about these movies. These movies are going to be remade again and again. And these new boogeymen are going to, um, they're going to pass on the torch to a new set of boogeymen. And yeah, you know, just let them breathe. Let them get something new, you know? Um, yeah. So let's just, I will take a break, but you know, screw a break. Uh, I can't do commercials at the, at this moment with, um, stream yard but uh spotify so let's just jump right into um even that rise um some background information um the director even Dead rise lee cronin i don't know when he came onto the project but i do know that evil dead rise was announced was announced was announced um after we got like I said, the 2013 Evil Dead reboot came out. It swallowed everybody's souls. I think as a horror fan collective, everybody loved that movie. I have yet to hear anybody like shit on that movie. Good job, you know, fandom. And I say good job, Fede Val um, Valdez, because they did something that was very rare in that time period with the reboot. Um, boom. They gave us a damn good movie that wasn't a reboot or a remake. It wasn't a remake, but it was a reboot, a re-imaging of a classic horror film and pop culture. And they managed to keep it fresh while still giving us the same beats. Well, not the same beats, rather, but the same, um, what's the word I'm looking for? attributes that goes into the they, they went into the original movie not just an evil dead movie but the original movie because the original movie was the one that had all the tension the dark corners you know the creative camera work you know sound and all this stuff evil dead 2 was borderline scary but also it's considered like a hard comedy by a lot of people then we got Army of Darkness, which went straight fantasy comedy. I mean, it had horror elements to it, though, but all fantasy has some elements of horror in it. Um, so I feel like Evil Dead 2013 set the tone for the Evil Dead movies moving forward. Um, however, 
Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and Robert Tapier, uh, I think they, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Robert Tapier, um, all they all you know went and did uh, Ash versus Evil Dead after um, Evil Dead Rise, um, well, not after Evil Dead Rise, but after 2013, and people were wanting a sequel to the 2013 um, film because we have Mia now who's, you know, a deadite warrior or deadite fighter. And we just want to know what happened to her afterwards. Like in evil dead two, we found out that like, Ash, you know, is still out here fighting. He really didn't get a chance to like breathe once the evil dead ended, but we didn't get that. We get Ash versus evil dead. And it felt like it was a combination of evil dead two and army of darkness. I only watched the first season and if you, if you go back and watch my appearance on the evil Tyrone on the, on, on the YouTube channel of his on Tyrone's YouTube channel, you will understand why I stopped watching. I, I didn't stop it. It just, I didn't rush to try to finish the series after um, the end of season one. Um, but that was all the Evil Dead fans had at the time. And then that show got canceled after the third season, shockingly to me, because I thought it was doing a lot of good, a lot of good ratings on the on stars. And then Evil Dead just sat dormant for a long time. And they decided to, when they did HBO Max, they were like, well, we're going to try to, you know, do movies for the channel, for the streaming service, exclusives. That included a Batgirl film, which we know, um, the horrible history behind that and then a house party reboot and then or a remake and then you know evil dead rise and then it was supposed to be made just for hbo max but then they did a test screening and it got a lot of favorable favorable reviews and reactions and so they said well maybe we should go ahead and put this um in theaters and see how it'll do. And they put a great promotional train behind it. They, you know, gave a good trailer. But even though I enjoyed the trailer for Evil Dead Rise, I still felt like the only thing I got from it was it's the same tone as Evil Dead 2013. But as far as that, it, that was it. You know, I tell people like, the Evil Dead 2013 trailer, the Red Band trailer by itself, is a grueling experience in its on on its own. I when they announced the 2013 movie and they showed us the trailer, I watched that trailer. I know about 20 to 30 some odd times before I actually went to go chance before I actually went to go see it in theaters. I didn't do that with the uh, Evil Dead Rise. Uh, I just saw what I liked, but I was like, clearly. The people in the hot um, in the um Harbor complex are going to become deadites, and you have to have a deadite creature showing it doing um, wild shit for it to to sell the movie. So I only saw the initial trailer and a uh I think the final trailer, and that was it. Um, so I just made sure not to just jump out of two, but I couldn't hide from the promotionals. Um the cheese grater uh, promotional materials with the um, building looking like a cheese grater and, you know, all that. And it just, you know, we finally got what we got and this is where we at now. Um, Tapper, Robert Tapper, excuse me. So here's the quick facts from Inst not Instagram, but a courtesy of Wikipedia, 
Evil Dead Rise, directed by Lee Cronin, written by Lee Cronin, based on characters by Sam Raimi, produced by Rob Tappert, and starring Lily Sullivan, Alyssa Sutherland, Morgan Davies, Gabrielle Eccles, and Nell Fisher. Um, Lily plays Beth, the estranged uh, sister of Alyssa Sutherland's Ellie. And Ellie's children are Morgan Davies, who plays Danny, Gabrielle Eccles, who plays Bridget, and Nell Fisher, who plays Cassie, the youngest of the group. And it premiered at South by Southwest earlier this year at um, March 15th, 2023. And it was officially opened up in theaters world um, in the United States um, April 21st, 2023. At this point in time, the budget was 15 million and it's made to at this point of, you know, it's running theaters 86.5 million. Um, so I'm going to read the wiki uh, entry of the plot. Cause I know most people, I hope when you see this, I mean, you listen to this, you've either seen the movie or you were like, I just want to get a taste of what's going on and then go from there. Um, the plot starts off as friends, Teresa and Jessica and Jessica's new boyfriend, Caleb are vacationing at a lakeside cabin when a seemingly ill Jessica, um, scalps. I don't like to use that word. Teresa and decapitates Caleb before levitating above the lake. One day earlier, upset at learning she is pregnant, guitar technician Beth visits her sister Ellie, a single mother, to teenagers Danny and Bridget and preteen Cassie in their condemned Los Angeles apartment complex. The building is shaken by an earthquake while the children are in his basement parking lot, uncovering a concealed chamber. Danny investigates, discovering religious artifacts, three phonograph records from 1923, and a strange book that he takes up to his room. The initial record details rejected efforts by a priest to research the book revealed to be one of the three volumes of the Naturum de Manto. The subsequent record reveals the priest continued his research in secret and recites an incantation that summons demonic entities known as deadites. The building's power fails and an isolated Ellie is attacked and possessed by an unseen force. She returns to the apartment in a, to the apartment in a trance menacingly threatens her family and dies after pleading with Beth to protect her children. Beth and Ellie's neighbors help to rest, help lay her to rest. Beth and Ellie's resident, um, Beth, I'm sorry, Beth and Ellie's neighbors help lay her to rest in her bedroom and search for a way out. They find that the staircase has collapsed, the elevator is damaged, and they are unable to access the fire escape before Ellie revives and attacks the family, wounding Bridget. Beth and the children lock Ellie outside the apartment after she pursues and massacres the neighbors. And at this point, the neighbors included uh, two, a teenage boy and his younger brother who had to been about no more than like 16 and maybe 10. Um, a neighbor who was probably of age of the same age as Ellie and, or either Beth. Um, and that name was, uh, I want to say his name was Gabriel. no, um, I don't know what his name was anyway, because we just said Gabriel was, um, the guy who, no, that's, that was Caleb anyway. And then there was a guy named Mr. Somebody. I forget what his name was. Um, and he was, uh, excuse me. He was the older neighbor who luckily had a shotgun on hand and the shotgun blast, you know, didn't help kill Ellie, but you know, she still fucked him up. And all this was done through 
a peephole, um, meaning that the entire massacre of these four people took place through a peephole that uh, I think Beth or Cassie was looking at. I think it was Beth that looked at it, saw Ellie take out all these people. And that was it, you know, in terms of the, the massacres. So moving on. Um, Danny confessed to Beth about recovering the natural demanto and Ellie tricks Cassie into unlocking the door before attacking her. While Danny and Beth are distracted, rescuing Cassie and locking Ellie out, Bridget becomes possessed via her wound. Bridget attacks Beth before turning on Danny and Cassie, who inadvertently impales her through the head with a broken broom handle. Beth listens to the third record to understand how to exercise the dead ice, but learns the priest failed and his allies were all possessed. With only complete destruction of the host stopping the deadites, Bridget revives and fatally stabs Danny, who sets Bridget on fire before dying as Ellie infiltrates the apartment using the vents. Realizing Beth is pregnant, Ellie attempts to rip the fetus out of her, but Beth and Cassie are able to incapacitate her with scissors. Ellie fails to emotionally manipulate Cassie, who says that her mother is already gone. Danny and the bodies of the neighbors are possessed, leading Beth and Cassie to take shelter in the, in the damaged elevator. Ellie, Bridget, and Danny merge into a multi-limbed creature known as the Marauder and climb atop the elevator to attack the pair as the mach machine fills with blood. The combined weight causes the elevator to plummet to the ground, allowing Beth and Cassie to flee into the parking lot. The Marauder captures Cassie and attempts to behead her with the chainsaw, but Beth returns and distracts her, and she and Cassie Destroy the Marauder's body by forcing it into a wood chipper. Ellie's decapitated head taunts Beth, saying she would be a failure as a mother, prompting her to kick Ellie's head into the chipper. Beth and Cassie escape the building together. The next morning, Jessica goes to the parking lot to leave for her vacation, where she's attacked by the Unseen Force, a.k.a. the Deadites. And meanwhile, Bruce Campbell was featured only in voice, in a voice-only cameo, heard in the recording of one of the phonograph records from 1923. Campbell voices an unnamed character who forewarns the priest to the dangers of the demon resurrection ritual shouting, it's called the Book of the Dead for the for a reason, after urging the priest to stop. Writer-director Cronin stated that he and Campbell voiced this role intentionally, that he had Campbell voice this role intentionally, stating that he considers it to be a time-displaced Ash Williams. So, with that being said, let's just jump right into it. Um, I really enjoyed the movie um, for what it was. Was it as gory as 2013's Evil Dead? Not by far. Uh, Evil Dead 2013's, I, I kind of want to, like, you can't, It's I feel like Evil Dead Rise is always going to be compared to Evil Dead 2013 because of the tone and the fact that it had a lot of shoes to, uh, had big shoes to fill that Evil Dead 2013 left. I don't think Ash versus Evil Dead even came close to uh, filling the shoes or um, coming, um, standing up to, um, to 2013's Evil Dead. Um, but I feel that the reason why there wasn't much of a dismemberment, this is just my opinion, because let's say that most of the um, gore that came in the blood um, bath that came in Evil Dead 2013 was from a lot of, um, excuse me, um, dismemberment. You had um, Olivia's cutting her face up, you know, then you have, you know, Olivia stabbing Eric in the eye with a needle and constantly stabbing him with needles and stuff. And then her, you know, 
her demise and then you have Mia cutting her tongue, you know, burning herself with hot water, scalding hot water in the shower. Then you have Natalie cutting her arm off and then you have the situation with um, Eric getting stabbed by the, you know, the, I think it was a box cutter blade or whatever. And then, you know, it was just a lot. And then Mia being having her hand dismembered while fighting the uh, final deadite at the end of the movie and then the blood rain. And it's just like, that was a lot going on. And I feel like Evil Dead Rise really did not get to the gory aspect of the movie until like the final act with all the blood, the combination of Danny, Bridget and Ellie um, creating the Marauder, um, the Deadite um, neighbors, you know, just, you know, that, that seeing them actually pop up and whatnot. I mean, there was gory elements prior to that, but they weren't as extreme as the shit we saw in Evil Dead 2013. And Evil Dead 13, even though in theaters we managed to see just a theatrical cut, they still gave us an uncut version. And so surprisingly there was more shit that was left out of the 2013 movie that was left in the uncut version um that they released way later and um even their rise did not pun unattended rise to that occasion um they rose to it in like the first move the first um when um jessica ripped Teresa's um, scalp off her head um, that was like, you know, up there and then her dropping the scalp on the pier and then attacking herself with the um, drone, you know, that was a little bit of, you know, okay, you know, a little like teasing of, you know, like the, the um, sprinkle of what's West to come. But, you know, I actually thought that Ellie was going to um, take the what's that thing called the tattoo um, pen and actually stab it in Bridget's eye. I was waiting for that to happen, but at the last minute they stopped it and she ended up just stabbing herself in the head and then actually taking it and then tattooing Bridget's face with it. And, you know, then we had Bridget's turn where she's eating glass and the glass is going down her throat, but you, I was waiting for the glass to actually cut out her throat instead of, you could see it like sharply going down her throat through her skin. I was waiting for, you know, a lot of stuff to pop out. And then the biggest thing that everybody was like leaning forward to because the promotion, the cheese grater, the cheese grater scene was, you know, tame to say the least, because I think that's what everybody was going to look for. Um, going to they were they was there to see this scene because it was so hyped up, and they it just you no know, it was like it's it was like a scratch. I'm not gonna say it's a scratch, but it was like they didn't stay on it. You know, they kind of cut away from it, and it didn't look as if it did that much damage to Beth. But you know. It was, you know, like I said, it was that was a letdown. I'm not gonna lie about that. That was a letdown. And then we got the stabbing of Danny, um, and then you know all of that blood from that, and Bridget getting burned, and her body getting burned, and then her, um, her not decapitation, but her 
impalement through the head through by Cassie's um little doll slash um staff. So, you know, it was just little small stuff. And then when the shit really hits the fan and Beth and Cassie try to make an escape, this is where all the blood comes from. And we get the blood soaked Cassie and the blood soaked Beth. And then we get the final battle in the garage. And it was just, you know, um, it was brutal, but it wasn't as brutal as 2013. And I, a lot of, I told people that, and I see people come um, agreeing with me in some aspects. It was brutal in the way that I would say it was brutal in some areas physically, but for me personally, it was brutal in the emotion, um, in the, in the emotional aspect, because unlike this is one of the reasons why I really, really, really enjoyed, um, evil dead rise. Um, this is not five friends going to a cabin and getting like eviscerated one by one. This is a family unit that is watching each other die and they're killing each other. And, you know, after being possessed by deadites, you know, it could have been a complete demons two situation where floor to floor deadite action going on. And you're following different people throughout the film. Um, but they decided to stay on the family unit and that is a a um a positive and a hindrance. It's a positive for me because again, at this point in time in my life, if you have you heard for the last two or three episodes, um, the loss of my brother and just really seeing how much family means to me. I already knew that, but it just seems like the movies that I've come in contact with, even the outwaters and um skin of a rink which i'm getting ready to review soon um have been very family oriented in a way like you're there with your sibling you're there you're in you're facing all this chaos and this horror with a sibling and you know you're hoping that the, all the siblings make it out or just one of the siblings make it out you know something like that or and so seeing the dynamic between bridget danny and cassie it reminded me of my brother um and my sister um if anybody in the movie if i'm if i'm not mistaken i believe that bridget was the oldest and i feel that danny would have been me um uh, however i would not have been went into that damn hole to retrieve a goddamn the chromicon and cassie could have easily been my little sister and also cassie reminded me so much of my young niece my youngest niece except that i believe cassie is a little bit older and she's a little bit, you know, with the fuck shit, you know, with the um the the dismemberment of dolls and everything. My niece is not. She's a big she's big into Barbie dolls and to baby dolls and whatnot. She takes them everywhere she goes. She times she sometimes gets too excited and she'll probably toss the doll up and you know the doll might fall and hit the ground and will break like an arm will come off, a limb will come off. But she will run to my dad and be like, hey, um so-and-so is not well can you put them in the hospital for me and so my dad would sit there and mend the doll Cassie was in here dismembering dolls like I don't need nobody fixing shit I know what I'm doing and the reason why she 
reminds me of my niece so much is because of, of her childlike um the questions she was asking you know she was getting excited about her auntie coming to visit and she had a real big connection with her aunt and it was just like okay i just you know i that's me and her that's me and my niece you know my youngest niece i have a connection with all my nieces but that me and the youngest when she's like a glue to my um side so when i come to town but that and the fact that um, the strain between Ellie and Beth, because um, it just kind of hit, it hit, it hurt, you know. There's been times where I've been on both ends of that, you know, estrangement, you know, where it's like you haven't called in so long. This has been going on, but you haven't checked the voice messages or I texted you and you didn't text back. You know, I've been on both ends of that. And, you know, for, with my brother and my sister. And, you know, I tried to fix that and they tried to fix it, you know, and we just worked on our estrangement until we got it to a better, uh, you know, we, we, we made it work. We, we, we squashed all the distancing and whatnot. And, you know, we just realized we're all adults. We all have, we're not able to sit in the living room and just watch movies and TV all day long and joke and drive around and just have fun. We got, well, my niece, my niece, my sister, my brother have kids now. And my brother had a big full-time job that he was working on. He was working at, and my sister is a mother, a single mother of two kids. And so, you know, it was just a lot going on. I had my shit going on. So it's just, it just, that was the emotional pull for me going into the movie and then actually experiencing it and whatnot so yeah with that being said though we could have easily um taken the kids out and just have beth coming to um visit ellie while she's in town and then they have their little thing and then you go and follow the kids down the hall maybe they got some shit going on or whatnot then you follow another neighbor and maybe another neighbor, kind of like how they did with demons too, where you just sit there, you see all these multiple people in this apartment complex and then shit hits the fan. And it's not everybody beholden to one floor. It's just all this shit is happening in the building and on multiple floors and there's no way out. And you just have to fight off these deadites. And, there's so many things that you can sit there and say that could have been done um, with the movie, but I'm okay with what we got. It expanded the lore a little bit because like I said, with army of darkness, I really didn't care for the entry, but it did give us the idea that there are three books floating around in the world, three books of the dead floating around in the world of the evil dead um, franchise and each book might have a specific, you know, um, characteristic to it. And we know that that book that we have in Evil Dead Rise does not look like any of the three books that was presented in um, Army of Darkness. But even in 2013's Evil Dead, that book did not resemble the book that was presented in Army of Darkness, nor was it the book that was presented in Evil Dead 2 or The Evil Dead. You know, it's just the book changes design with each entry into the film uh, into the franchise so but the idea that this one book is floating around it's caused like a strain of deadites that god only knows what happens after this because we do know that 
um, because let's say Beth and Cassie didn't, they just took out the Marauder, which is, you know, Beth, I mean, um, Ellie, Bridget, and Danny. They just took that out. They didn't take out the dead ice that was left upstairs. Um, so who sit there and say they not they didn't cause more chaos in that complex? Um, how Jessica didn't hear any of the shit that happened above her. We don't know what floor she was on. She could have been like four floors down and didn't hear it. But the fact that she gets attacked when she goes into the um, garage to leave, and then she goes to the cabin with her best friend or cousin and her boyfriend, and then we are like left with that being open-ended. So that's the strain out there of deadite. Deadites are like, um, it's like a disease or a virus, a supernatural virus. And then you have a deadite strain out there in the woods that's near Los Angeles or something. And, you know, it's, it's just so much, so many doors and so many opportunities opened. I feel like 2013's Evil Dead opened up a door with the whole um, Mia situation. I can't recall if the Book of the Dead made it out of Evil Dead 2013. I think it did. But um, the situation, I think it did. It did survive. So you got that book floating out there. Then you have the book and Evil Dead Rise floating out there. And then you have the original Evil Dead um, book or in the Evil Dead 2 book out there somewhere. Plus, you got to remember the, I can't recall what happened to those um, pages that um, Annie Noby read at the end of Evil Dead 2. Those are still out there, you know? So, and who's to sit there and say that um, these other two Evil Dead, um, these two other two Necromonicons don't have like pages to send the evil back into a time displaced void. And who's to sit there and say, you know, the book that fly back into 1923 and from Evil Dead. I don't know. It's just so many possibilities what I'm trying to say. There's so many possibilities the way this franchise can go. And even they mentioned it um, afterwards um, with Bruce Campbell saying, I think the stories will progress a little more now. We're going to try and do them more like every two or three years rather than every 10 years. It's also the first time Sam is working on working with his brother Ivan to create an overall Bible that would give future writers and directors an idea of where this thing should go next to potentially tie in some of these stories. So I think it's going to get a little more tied in as the years go by, but because it's all about the books, it could be a book in the past, a book in the future It's yet to be determined. And Tyrone on his show brought up a good question. Where would you like the evil dead, the, the books of the dead to pop up next? You know, and we all gave our you know particular locations where we would like to see another a deadite outbreak happen, and it's just so many places you can go with this. Even um, Lee Cronin said in an interview, and um, he thought about doing a, a it was a it was a interview a, a interview with if I'm not mistaken, I think it was either Fangoria or it was Dread Central, where he said that he would like to pick up with. Um, Beth and Cassie going to like a local police precinct all bloodied up and then them talking about you know what happened at the apartment complex and maybe somebody going there to check out their story and then finding the book of the dead and then bringing it back to the police station as they have Beth and Cassie held um, you know and then somebody reading the book there and then so you have a dead eye or assault on 13 
assault on precinct 13 situation but with deadites you know so that's an opportunity right there because if anything with the original evil dead movies especially the first three minute films ash williams did not get a break for three movies straight and it was constant 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 chaos for that and I know some people didn't think that Beth was on the same totem pole or the same level as Mia. And I have to agree with that. Um, But I feel like if anything, if they want to tie in 2013 and um, even their rise, that'd be the perfect opportunity to bring in both me, bring me into the situation and her meet Beth and maybe Beth probably gets killed off or, you know, something like that. And then, you know, or Cassie um, sees Beth get killed off and then Cassie pairs up with Mia and then they just, you know, take over, take shop, you know, take over shop. Plus, this is the first time in the Evil Dead story. I know that Ash has a daughter in Evil Dead versus, um, Ash versus Evil Dead. But I think this is the first time, actually as a kid, I think an Evil Dead I kid in, um, Ash versus Evil Dead, and there was the Evil Dead I Kids and um, Public Access of the Dead, that was the Creep Show episode. But this is the first time that you see kid deadites in the films, so um, or see a child dealing with this shit, you know. Period. This, I so I give Evil Dead Rise. I know that the fellow panelists on Tyrone's episode eviscerated evil dead rise um but all their complaints were very valid um i couldn't argue with any of them they were very valid complaints and a lot of but i will and i also give respect to everybody in the panel when they said that you know it didn't live up to 2013 but it's still an evil dead movie you know what i'm saying and so um it's a rewatch for me I'm going to own the Blu-ray or the 4K when it comes out. Um, I want Bruce Campbell to fucking stick to his words about Sam Raimi making a Bible for future writers and directors to give their spin to it just so they can follow the rules and so stuff can stay consistent from this point on. You know, um, and they can bring back Jane Levy because during the promotion for Evil Dead Rise, you saw Jane Levy take pictures with um, Alyssa Sutherland and um, the um, who's the actress played Beth again? I mean, Alyssa, yeah, Alyssa Sutherland and Lily Sullivan. She took pictures with them. She also took pictures with the original three um, women from the Evil Dead um, 1981. You know, Ellen Sandwich. Um, I can't pronounce all that. I can't. I can't. I can't remember all their names. But you know, she's down for it. You know, Jane Levy is down for it. And I'm like, if she's down to do just that little small thing, then I'm pretty sure y'all can get her back for another film. Um, I feel like Fede Alvarez should come back at some point and handle Mia, uh, because he did that character so well, and that was his creation. And I, you know. I enjoyed it with their rise. Um, like I said, as far as the tone, I, it's the same tone as the 2013 film. It just did not, there was not that much dismemberment going on. There wasn't blood splattering all over the fucking walls from having to chop off a hand because the hand got possessed. There wasn't, um, you know, 
black blood was pooling down the walls of the apartment complex or the apartment or Ellie, you know, Ellie's apartment and whatnot. But it still was, you know, again, this is probably the, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were working with actual children and they probably couldn't get away with like dismembering um, kids. Like even though they sat there and pulled the, the arms off of a kid in the hallway, but again, it was like, you could barely see that happening. You didn't actually see it happening on screen. You just saw the kid trying to run him screaming and then him getting thrown back against the wall armless. So I feel like they couldn't go as far as they wanted to because they was working with kids, which is why I said, even though I enjoyed the familial aspect and the sibling aspect of the children, it's still a detriment to them doing something completely crazy with the apartment complex as a whole. Um, can you imagine an apartment complex overrun with deadites? That's terrifying. And I actually thought this is what we was getting in one scene from the trailer when the, all those multiple arms were trying to come into the um, elevator. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a whole damn floor of deadites trying to get in at one point. But it was just, you know, Bridget, Danny, and Ellie. So, um, I like I said, I enjoyed the movie for what it was. I enjoyed it because it's a new entry into the Evil Dead franchise. And I'm not just going to sit here and say that I'm just going to swallow anything somebody gives me. But I do have to give it props for trying to do something new. I think that's one of the reasons why I liked it. It's take it because when you again, like I said earlier in the episode, when you think Evil Dead, you think Cabin in the Woods, um, Broken Bridge, you know, trees coming to life and slicing up somebody and or eating somebody or, you know, tearing somebody apart. And you think about just running around in chaos in a small confined space. But with Evil Dead Rise, you have like this new, uh, you know, this new way of like taking the franchise to another level. Yes. Ash versus the Evil Dead did something about, you know, taking the deadite um, situation out of the cabin into like on this road trip type situation where it's just like wherever they pop up at, they just, just deal with it. But, um, it was still like a slapstick type situation and it, it just, it, it, I don't know. It just, I wasn't scared while watching Ash versus Evil Day. It was just like a good horror show to watch just to kill a good 30 minutes and then building upon lore, but it was still kind of like wonky because of the production behind the film where you could, I think Ash versus Evil Dead could not reference the events that happened in, um, the army of darkness because when you there's a that groovy set the groovy the evil dead groovy collection that is out and you have in that collection the evil dead evil dead 2 and then the complete series of ash versus evil dead the army of darkness is not a part of this set because i feel like those rights for like those um two movies in that tv series are all linear and you know they I think that's why you can't get army of darkness in there. And I know that, um, I, I, I don't know if they could have added the 2013 evil dead in that set, but I think with screen factory coming out with their 4k version of it and then their uncut version of it, um, they probably had like a split deal where they couldn't include evil dead 13 in the groovy collection, but still, um, 
I feel that Ash vs. Evil Dead has that big chunk because it doesn't have um, the Army of Darkness backstory to go with it. And it's kind of like choppy a little bit. I probably need to go. I'm not probably. I am going to go back and try to finish the series to see how much lore is still carried over. Uh, if they actually, you know, I know they had to build lore because we had Lucy Lawless's character who was causing, she was mischievous. And I think she was working either against Ash or initially she was working against him. I don't know if she sided with him or whatnot. I don't know the situation with that, um, but it's still, uh, you know, a good, um, that's what I'm looking for. It's still a good time. And then I always, I always tell people, I wish to God that uh, a lot of people, a lot more people saw the creep show because that's my favorite episode of the creep show series is the public access of the dead um, because it not only is a evil dead situation through a public access channel, uh, but it is, they have the fucking mask from demons on there. They have Freddie's glove and you know, they have, um, I think the, the Lamont Merchant, the 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 Lamont configuration box, um, all about like it like these horror pop culture horror relics that are like on the shelf during the um segment, and you're like the fact that all this shit is in one spot is just amazing, you know, because all those properties are owned by different into different companies and different um, production companies and um whatnot. And different entities, but they managed to sit there and all come together to just sit there and serve the horror fan that treasure trove of Easter eggs. So, if you haven't seen the public access of the dead, if you see any episode of Creep Show, the TV series on Shutter, that is the one you need to see. And I think that was, ep- I think that was season two. I really think that was season two, episode one. Um, but I'm going to end it here. Um, tell me what you thought about Evil Dead Rise in the um comments or email me at market um i'm sorry um midnight social distortion at gmail.com or you can um hit me up on twitter at the anti-critic or on instagram at marco estes or midnight social distortion both all one word um two separate accounts all one word and yeah so before i go though i do want to mention uh you know, I said I was going to try to start doing some missing people, missing um, black people through the missing and a uh, black and missing foundation. Um, this case has been open since actually I want to say it's, this is this um, day is the anniversary day of the disappearance of Keir Shante Johnson she disappeared on April 30th, 2017. That's what, five years ago? And she was 41 at the time. Well, she's 41 now, excuse me. She was been missing since um, Hampton. She's been missing in uh, from Hampton, Virginia, excuse me. Her gender is female. Her race is black. Her complexion is medium. Height, four foot, nine inches. 140 pounds her show her hair color was black hair length shoulder eye color brown um she was last seen within the boundaries of the city of newport news virginia and the circumstances of her disappearance was miss keir johnson 
uh, a vast family. She would be going to Buckrow Beach in Hampton, Virginia with her daughter, Chloe. Neither Keir or Chloe Johnson have been seen or heard from since their departure. Attempts at phone contact with Keir Johnson have been unsuccessful. So if you heard anything, if you know anything, please call Newport News Police Department 888-562-5887 or the Black and Missing Foundation at 877-97-BAMFI. Now they did say that for this particular, uh, and Chloe was an infant when they disappeared. So it, she'd probably be five years old at this point. Um, they say that um, they were last seen in the 1900 block of Hastings Drive in Hampton, Virginia on April 30th, 2017. And on May 14th, 2017, Curious Black 2013 Kia Optima with the Virginia license plate number VAW-2197 was found abandoned at a trailer park at Jefferson Avenue in R Street in Newport News, Virginia. So that is one case that's open at the moment. And then the next case is um of Omarion Omariana Lindsay, who went missing this past Friday, um April. 28 23 23 excuse me she is 16 years old she's been missing from manning south carolina she's female black medium complexion five foot six 120 pounds she has her hair color is black it's long and her eye colors are brown um excuse me um she was last seen leaving high school uh, manning high school at 1 25 p.m friday with an unknown person and she was last seen wearing a white shirt, gray tights, and sandals. Deputies say she may be headed to North Carolina. Um, so if you're in North Carolina, please be on the lookout for Mariana Lindsay. And again, if you have any information, call the Clarendon County Sheriff's Office at 803-435-4414 or again at BAMFI. 877-97-BAMFI. And I'm going to give you one more um, because we have to look for our, we got to look out for our peoples. Um, we have Damian Myers who went missing on April 14th, 2023. And he's been missing from Fort Washington, Maryland. He is 20 years old. He is black male medium five foot ten 145 pounds his hair color is black and he looks like he has curly hair or either some braid or like some dreads or some twists his hair length is short and his eye color is black his nickname is day day and damien was last seen leaving his residence in fort washington with a friend approximately at 9 p.m heading to silver diner in Walf waldorf um, according to the family, the friend returned home, but has no idea or information regarding Day Day's whereabouts. Day Day in the dark blue 2003 Nissan Maxima with gash on one side. He was picked up and remains missing. Um, if you have any information about Damian Myers' um, uh, whereabouts, 
please contact Prince George's County Police at 240-695-7478 or again, contact BAMFI at 877-97-BAMFI. And um, that's it for this week or that's it for this episode um, because I'm thinking about releasing two episodes this Wednesday to catch up on my stuff to, so I can work on the other, other stuff. Um, so, yeah, you can, like I said earlier, you can follow me on Instagram, Marco Estes, all one word, or Midnight Social Distortion, which is the public profile, all one word. And then you can also find me on Twitter at the anti-critic and you can email me at mark i mean midnight social distortion at gmail.com and i'm testing out doing a youtube channel um so i can have guests on and we can do panels and whatnot and also so i can showcase my budding collection of action figures which i will have like a segment on the youtube channel called midnight social distortions playbox or playhouse or toy box i don't know yet it depends on what i what where my feet land with that and i also want to do stuff about my horror collection like my horror t-shirts my horror novels um you know stuff like that just to give my just to push my reach out further than the podcast and instagram and stuff like that because everybody knows that i mostly operate on instagram you know, I have an issue with Twitter, even though Twitter is where all the action is. But I feel like Twitter has become a dumpster fire and I am feel like I'm safer on Instagram where I have more control over who has access to my content and who I let into my presence. Because there's a lot of people who are horror fans who are very toxic, racist, homophobic, transphobic and just misogynistic and I don't like to have that energy. I feel like my energy is way more protected on Instagram than it is on Twitter. Um, especially with my private profile. Um, so if you do join my private profile, again, I ask that you send me a message, have something in your bio that shows me that you are a legit person because these damn scammers are getting very crafty out here. Um, let me know who you are and I will let you in. But if you do get into my personal, my personal profile, my private profile on Instagram, just know that I will be sharing stuff about, um, black, um, um, no awareness about black lives matter. Um, things that, um, are detrimental to the black community, to, uh, women's rights, to abortion rights, to trans rights, to LGBT issues, you know, all this stuff. I post a lot about that, especially given the shit that's going on here in Tennessee. I study, I, I, I steadily keep um, resharing the fuckery and that's just me expressing myself on every, uh, every facet of my being. So be prepared. You know, this is a black queer podcast for for uh, first and foremost and everything else that falls afterwards is you know a plus but you know it's always about black and queer identities and black and queer um representation here so um yeah you guys have a nice day and stay tuned peace distortion